What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to episode 10 of a podcast about New York sports. I'm Sam Allen. I'm solo today. Uh, my co-host, Matt, was unable to attend today's episode, so I'm going to do it all myself. Uh, there was no pre-show meeting. There was really very little prep going into this one. Uh, this is totally off the cuff. Definitely have a lot of stuff to talk about. Wanted to get an episode out uh, before the weekend and before the big NFL weekend, so definitely going to go over some of the NFL games, both local and around the league, as well as our Thursday night football game last night. It's uh, Friday afternoon when I'm recording this. Yankees clinched, and the Mets are on the verge of clinching or not clinching. So I think I want to start there because it uh, seems to be the most um, relevant, I would say, in New York, the New York area right now. Um, but the Mets... Uh, Easiest way to summarize it, they need to go 4-2 and two in their last six games. Doesn't matter what the two losses are against. Doesn't matter who the four wins are against. They need to go 4-2 and two, no matter how you slice it, and they will clinch the division. So, look, hopefully, if you're a Met fan, hopefully you can take at least two of three from the Braves. Um, and then I think they end the season against either the Nationals or the... I think it's the Nationals. But, um... I think if you're a Met fan, you want to see them win. Win tonight. You know what I mean? Win. You have DeGrom on the hill tonight. Uh, he hasn't been his best. Definitely hasn't looked like the DeGrom we all know and all absolutely are astonished by every time he pitches. But I think you still need to win tonight because you don't even want the thought that, okay, we need to now we need to win one of two. Or would you rather win one of two or would you rather have the chance to win two of three? Just from a mental side of it, I think it's it'll be a lot of pressure if they lose this first game. So on, on both sides too, I'll say that because the Braves are pitching Max Freed tonight, so uh, he's been one of their most reliable starters all throughout the season. So definitely a good game to watch. Uh, whether you're a fan of the Braves or the Mets, it's definitely going to be high level baseball. Um, and then again, we Matt and I spoke about it on our last episode when we spoke about the Mets. But I think this division means so much more for the Mets than it does the Braves. Uh, just from the roster construction of the Mets. And I we broke down the bullpen. Actually, I think our last Instagram post was focused on our thoughts on the Mets bullpen. And really the big question that Matt brought up was, okay, games where Edwin Diaz can't give you six outs to close the game. How do you end that game? I mean, you're not going to rely on Scherzer and DeGrom to go nine. Not saying that they can't because those two guys definitely could. And I would guess one of them, if not both, will go close to nine innings in the postseason if they can, if they find it early enough um, and can, are consistent in the game. But what what do you do? Do you rely on someone like Seth Lugo and just go to uh, just the idea that he's more experienced than a guy like a Trevor Williams or a guy, um, I mean, I don't know, all, we, we broke it down, but all of those pieces outside of Diaz, and I guess you can go to Adovino, but I I can make the case that Adovino has been a little bit uh, inconsistent this year. His highs have been really good, and he's right now he's actually one of their, he's probably their second best reliever right now, but uh, do you trust him that much? It's, it's a question that Mets fans definitely have to ask, and then uh, on the Yankees side of things, they've clinched. Uh, they actually just activated DJ LeMahieu before the game tonight on Friday night, so that's huge. Um, I would guess that he's going to DH tonight. I don't know how much they're going to push him. Um, if at all, I don't know if he's even going to start. I haven't seen the lineup yet. But um, 
DJ back, huge. Um, I've been very critical of Josh Donaldson. I think if you can get DJ to be your everyday third baseman in the playoffs, and then if you can get that leaves Rizzo unquestionably at first. Doesn't have to don't have to DH anyone other than Stanton. I think it makes the makeup of this team much more feasible and much more um, much more of a threat. I'd say one to nine because just having DJ as like another table setter in that lineup, whereas. Yeah, Donaldson can poke one out from time to time, and he's actually been fairly clutch this year. I, I still would rather DJ up in, I guess, 99% of scenarios. So, uh, and, and I think, again, I've been critical of Donaldson's defense. I think DJ has been a better defender. You know, I haven't really even dug deep into the numbers defensively, but DJ can definitely hang with Donaldson on defense, and he can definitely out-hit him. Uh, and that's been over the course of the entire season, if not more, maybe until if you want to bleed until next season. But yeah, I, I think the Yankees are. You can hope if you're a Yankee fan, the hope is so there. You could break this this season down into two halves. I guess the first half was them playing. I think they were like 52 and 13 or 18 at one point. They're not that okay. And in the second half, they're this sub 500 team. They're not that either, but what they are is somewhere in the middle. They're somewhere a good team, you know, maybe could flirt with 100 wins like they are. Uh, I think, again, it's we've seen the whole sample size. They're not going to get to 100 wins, but, they, you know, one week goes differently. You get a couple balls to bounce your way, and you're at, you see yourself at like that 96, 97 win total, and I think that's really what the Yankees are. They're not the Dodgers roster-wise. The Dodgers are incredible and I think leaps and bounds better than the Yankees uh from top to bottom both pitching fielding defense maybe not defense the Yankees are pretty good defensively especially in the outfield but um I for the Yankees you just got to hope that they're hitting their stride and they're gonna they're gonna start inching closer towards the beginning half of the season when they were the best team in baseball and it wasn't even a question um, everything was clicking. You had the best closer in baseball. All five of your starters were were throwing as best as they have ever, and then everyone in your lineup is is hitting, including Judge. And it was it was fun, but it, it was definitely not sustainable. I mean, one of my favorite things that I always speak about is, uh, and it's really a good thing to use in in all aspects of sports, but progression and regression to the mean. And if you look at it, if you think of it like a graph, right? You see those win probability graphs. The Yankees in the beginning of the season were trending very highly on their graph, and then they started to sink down, and then they were trending too low. But that's all just correcting itself, whereas now, they're, I think the last couple of weeks is what the Yankees are. They're a team that's they'll beat the right teams, then they'll compete against all the good ones, but they, you can't say that they're leaps and bounds better than uh, really anyone. I mean, you can make a case that the Yankees... You can make a case that the Yankees can very feasibly lose to any team in the American League uh, playoff picture right now. I mean, would you be stunned if they could, they lose to the Guardians because the Guardians are an absolute contact team? I watch many Guardians games. Uh, I love Tristan McKenzie, Cal Quantrill, great pitchers. Jose Ramirez is one of my favorite players. I watch a lot of their games, and they hit, they hit the ball like crazy. Stephen Kwan is like the epitome of a Guardians player, and... Even uh, Ahmed Rosario has been having a great year. I'm not going to get too into the weeds of these teams, but uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Guardians beat them. Wouldn't be surprised. Definitely wouldn't be surprised if the Mariners beat them. They're they're a young up and coming team. Um, obviously the Astros. 
Uh, who am I leaving out here? Astros. You get the point, right? So any of these teams that are in the picture, the Rays, I mean, we've seen the Rays beat them before. Um, the only the only team I would say that I think they actually just got eliminated that I would definitely say the Yankees could beat every single time would be the Twins. But I believe the Twins might have just gotten actually like mathematically eliminated. So don't need to uh, you can scratch that off your Yankee calendar. So that's a lot of baseball talk. Um, I guess now I'll just head into football. Uh Another, both teams lost last week, Jets and Giants. Um, can make different stories about both teams. Are the were the Giants really supposed to be three and zero? Are they a three and zero team? I don't think so. I, I I was high in the Giants. I don't think they're as bad as people. Myself, even I'll even kind of go back on what I've said previously. I thought the Giants were going to be terrible into this going into this year. Um, but I like what I've seen at Dable. Saquon Barkley is, I'll be the first one to say it. If not, I don't really, haven't even heard anyone else say it, but he's back, 100% back. He's the guy that the Giants thought they were getting, thought they would build their offense around. Um, but is Daniel Jones, and I think that's going to be the big long-form question this entire season. Uh, in your losses, people are going to say he's he could have been, he easily could have been better. And in your wins, people are going to say he could have been better. So, uh, I guess Daniel Jones is in a tough spot where he needs to kind of always be getting better and always show progress because any step back, he's going to start to hear it again. And I think that the Cowboys game, the Cowboys have a great defense. Uh, and I said one of the keys to the game was going to be containing. You don't stop a player like Micah Parsons, but you can only hope to contain them. And I think the Giants did okay at that. I mean, Daniel Jones, like the second and third quarter, I thought the Cowboys defense really started to get to them get to Daniel Jones a lot more there's a lot more pressure in his face but in the first first quarter uh, they really had just no running room they couldn't do anything with Saquon um but that leads them into this week where the Giants are facing the Bears uh Giants are home at one o'clock uh I think the Giants can win this game handedly and I think that they should win this game handedly I haven't seen anything from the Bears that uh has really I I guess Really, seriously, nothing. I mean, I guess their defense is okay. Uh, they're definitely a team that went to the season and said, hey, we're going to run the ball and we're going to play defense because they have the least passing attempts by a wide margin. And whether that is what you think, what they think about um, Justin Fields or what they, uh, just their game plan going into the year, I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm not sold on it. Um, I think this is definitely a game that the Giants uh, can definitely get – Barkley going on the ground, open up the play-action game. Definitely, I could see Daniel Jones moving outside of the pocket a lot this game for sure. Um, I like the Giants to cover. I like the Giants to win. Uh, thought about them for my pick this week, but ended up going with another team that I thought was more of a short-fire lock. Um, and then we'll go over to the other side of the ball, the Jets. Right, so Zach Wilson's back. Let's go. Like this is This is week one if you're a Jet fan. Forget the first three weeks. You have your highlights. You have your lowlights. If I was a Jet fan, I would lean more towards the side of just totally throwing out those first three weeks. Not necessarily on defense, but more so offensive-wise. Um, because I think it's going to look totally different. I think they, they ran such a vanilla offense in the first three weeks. And now they can actually open up their playbook, right? So you think of like a dinner menu. You know, when you sit down to dinner and like, you're like, oh, I didn't see the the back had this on it. When, the, when Zach Wilson's active, the play sheet is that back half of the menu that you didn't see. 
right? So everything opens up, and now you can get Garrett Wilson more touches, which he's looked amazing, right? I'm not going to take that away from him. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. But Elijah Moore, he had an amazing connection. Braxton Berrios both had amazing, amazing connections with Zach Wilson last year, especially towards the end of the season. And I definitely need to want to see that again. That mixed in with Garrett Wilson, with Brees Hall, Michael Carter as your one-two running backs. That's great. I think that's an amazing offense as long as Zach Wilson keeps building. Just like we said about Daniel Jones, we, I, just like I said about Daniel Jones, you, you just got to keep seeing build progressive steps forward. No, you know, I don't want to see three steps forward is great, but what does it mean if you take four steps back and have a terrible game the next week, right? So I'd rather my quarterback slowly take those little baby steps, especially coming back from an injury, right? So if I'm, if I'm the Jets, Probably, or I guess if I'm the Steelers, I'm probably going to say that the Jets are going to run like 90% of what they would for Wilson. I mean, they say that Wilson's 100%, but I mean, we all know how uh, NFL coaches are. It's all coach speak. Uh, They're going to be cautious with him. I mean, it would be silly to, to, I mean, if you see the first play of the game is a Zach Wilson read option, I will be furious on the next podcast because I just think that, He's the future of your franchise, and you're not winning a Super Bowl this year, so, like, why rush into anything, right? So, um, Jets are getting three and a half in Pittsburgh. I think I think the Jets can win this game, too. Like, I think the guys will rally around Zach Wilson. I, I mean, I haven't seen any reason why they haven't. I mean, they tried, even in the Browns game, they rallied around Joe Flacco. So, you can rally around Joe Flacco and his performance. Why can't you rally around... Zach Wilson and what we've seen him do and what we hope he is. So I like the Jets there. Um, So that'd be cool. Uh, It would be a really nice Monday to come back where another one where the Jets and Giants both can be victorious. This would be an impressive big win for the Jets too. I'm not that it wouldn't be for the Giants, but it's Jets on the road uh, against the Steelers who have a great defense. Um, it would be a great win for them, and I think that it would be definitely a tone setter for the rest of the year and definitely a big morale boost in the locker room. Um, I'll get into our picks. Uh, Matt and I have uh, every week we've, we have this, like, survive. it was a survivor pool, but then everyone got out, so now it's a pick pool, so we're just not reusing, we're not reusing teams, but uh, Matt's going to go with Philly, so I'll hop into that game real quick. Philly... The Eagles are hosting the Jaguars uh, Sunday, 1 o'clock. They're giving 6.5. This is just a straight win pick and pull. So he's taking the Eagles to win. I like that. I Again, I'm not I'm not that high on the Jaguars as, ever, as everyone else is, really. Um, I Again, I think Trevor Lawrence is, again, another one of those quarterbacks making those baby steps, and he's looked pretty good of late, especially last game, which is probably his best game as a pro so far. But I think the Eagles are on another level. I mean, Jalen Hurts uh, is probably the MVP right now, arguably. And A.J. Brown is absolutely dominant. Devonta Smith woke up last week. Their offense looks to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, even Miles Sanders is having a good season. And he's been the most average of average running backs um, throughout his last at least two, three years. So to see that, I think the Eagles' defense is firing on all cylinders, too. It's a big test for Trevor Lawrence. I'll tell you what, if Trevor Lawrence can win this game on the road in Philadelphia against the only undefeated team in the NFL, I may have to change my narrative on Trevor Lawrence. And I know a lot of people listening that I've spoken to 
uh, will probably uh, make me eat crow for that. But uh, if he can win this game, that will make me totally change my opinion on him. And then for myself, I'm going to take a layup here. I mean, I've definitely just jinxed it by saying that, but... Patriots losing Mac Jones. They didn't look good with Mac Jones. They got to play Brian Hoyer, among all their other injuries, on the road in Green Bay. I I mean, I think this is going to be a layup for Green Bay. They looked amazing against the Buccaneers. Uh, Rodgers looks as good as ever. He, Romeo Dobbs and that one-two punch of Jones and Dillon are lethal, really, really lethal. And people thought that Rodgers may struggle having no you know marquee receivers, but uh Lazard, Dobbs, Tanyan, even Aaron Jones out of the backfield. It's it's actually with with obviously Aaron Rodgers' talent. Uh they can't literally factor that out, but uh they've looked really good. So I think I like the it's a big number, nine and a half, but I think they I'm not I wouldn't be stunned if the Packers win that by two possessions. So like that there. Uh for the rest of the for the rest of the games, the London game this week, uh the Vikings and the Saints. Technically, the Saints are home, but it's in London. Um, Vikings are, I guess, road favorites in giving three. So this actually where it gets fishy in the betting world because, like, it's a home game, sure, and you give three points for the home team regardless, but this isn't really that situation because it's not a home team for the Saints. So you got to think they're, it's just straight out saying that Assuming all things are equal, it's just straight out saying that the Vikings are three points better than the Saints, and I think I agree with that. Uh, no Michael Thomas this week for the Saints. I think Alvin Kamara was even uh, questionable in this one. Um, I'm gonna. I like the Vikings there to cover. Moving on to the Browns at the Falcons. Interesting, interesting game here because these are two teams that uh, I think one is underperforming and one is overperforming. Uh, I think the Falcons are the underperforming one at one and two, and they're getting a point at home against the Browns. And I think the Browns are, in, I you know they they have that one loss to the Jets. So I mean, are the Browns a three and zero team? No, are they? I don't think they're a two and one team. I I'm not a believer in the Browns. I think the Falcons can win this game. Uh, I like the Falcons there. Next game, NFC East matchup, big one actually. This is uh, going to be a I'll tell you what, if the Commanders can beat the Cowboys in Dallas uh, and then make everyone 2-2, two and two, well, I guess if they beat the Cowboys and the Giants win, the Giants will be in first. But, I don't know. I like Carson Wentz. You know, I like the Commanders to cover. It's three. Dallas is giving three. So, that's saying that they're equal. But, basically put, one team has... I mean, Cooper Rush did look really good against the Giants, but I think the jury's still out on the Giants' defense. I still like the Commanders. Uh, I think there's they've played poorly in the last game, even in the last two, but I think I still like the Commanders there, only because I don't believe this whole Cooper Rush stuff. I could be totally wrong on that, but I think I'm going to go with the Commanders. I'm going to hold reserve. I'm not going to make that a firm call, though. Next game... Seahawks-Lions, interesting because the Lions had one of the best offenses in football, if not the best, the first three weeks. And then now they have no DeAndre Swift for at least two, three weeks. And then also no Amon Ross St. Brown this week as well. So who is Jared Goff going to throw to? I mean, TJ Hawkinson had a, has had a quiet start to the season. He was a stud last year. Maybe he, it opens up more for him. Jamal Williams has been a stud, but... He's only been a stud with DeAndre Swift, so can he be the the bell cow, you know, lead back? 
I don't know. It's a tough spot. Both one and two teams, but I think the Lions are like a. The Lions are definitely not a one and two team. I think they're way better than that. Their defense is a little suspicious, but I don't know. I I think Jared Goff is a very uh, system quarterback ish. He's not not really too impressive with his arm or his legs, but he just gets the job done. So maybe you can say that he'll just play the system out again. I'll go with the Lions there. Lions giving three and a half. It's I know it's the hook, but. I think the Lions can win that game. Um, next game, the the one one and one Colts host the Tennessee Titans, who are one and two and looked really really good last week. Uh, I think Derrick Henry's back. I think as long as they can run the ball, and the Colts have definitely allowed teams to run the ball this year. These are the two, arguably the two best running backs in football, and Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. So probably going to see a lot of ground game. I wouldn't be surprised if this game ends first of all the 1 o'clock games, if this is the first one that ends. Um, only just because I think there's going to be a, a whole ton of running. I wouldn't be surprised if McCaff- not McCaffrey, Taylor and Henry both end up with 30-plus touches. I wouldn't be stunned at all. So, I, Although I do like the Titans plus 3.5 there because I think Matt Ryan is just terrible right now. I think he's seen his better days for sure. Moving on, uh, we already went over Jaguars-Eagles. This is the big game of the week, the or second biggest game. I mean, arguably the biggest, definitely the biggest AFC game. Bills at Ravens. Ravens giving three after a Bills loss. Bills are definitely still hurt, but hey, the Bills are uh, they're they're my my Super Bowl pick right now. I think they have everything when they're healthy, all the weapons, the quarterback, the defense, the the go to guy and Diggs. They check all the boxes. I think the running game is still a little bit in question. I don't know if Singletary's really that guy, but I think by the end of the season they figure out, if not make a move for a guy who can be their you know lead back. So, And then for the Ravens, I mean, Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts, take your pick, who's the MVP right now? I don't know, but Jaylen, Lamar Jackson is playing at another level right now, and he's, of all the skepticism on him... I think he's answering all the questions every single week, uh, whether people said he couldn't throw. He's throwing for 300-plus week in and week out. Uh, obviously, his running was never in doubt, but it's gotten even better than I think a lot of people thought. Tough. I think I'm very – I think Lamar Jackson's the better player right now. Not saying Josh Allen's bad. Maybe like a 1A to 1B as far as AFC quarterbacks are concerned. And I think I like the Ravens with the points here because I think that the Ravens are more well-rounded right now as we sit, just given the Bills' injuries. So I think I like the Ravens with the points there. I think they're going to win that straight out, as a matter of fact. And that'll bring me to my sniff of the week where I do think the Ravens are going to win straight out. Straight up, sorry. they. I think they're the Bills are still hurt. I think they're still uh I don't think they're as good as people like made them seem like people were saying oh who's going to beat this team like obviously they're going to be uh, on the positive side of the record but I think the Ravens are going to be right there with them. I think they're these two are going to the conversation this whole year is going to be in the AFC do you want Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson and there's going to be two schools of thought and I think that this game early only because of the Bills injuries are is going to go to the Ravens. So as my sniff of the week I have the Ravens. 
Moving on, Chargers at Texans. Texans are 0-2-1 and taking on the 1-2 Chargers, who are definitely out for a vengeance. Um, they should not be 1-2. They played probably the worst game of the Justin Herbert era uh, l- last week against the Jaguars. Where they just got ran out of the building. I think the Chargers easily win this game. I mean, giving 5.5, I would, I would give more than 7. So I think they can win this game handily. I'm high on David's Mills, but I think that these are just two teams that are on two totally different levels right now. Um, the Texans should be 0-3, really. They had a really m- miraculous uh, comeback to tie, um, but I think that's what the Texans are. They're going to be a uh, below 500 team. Uh, they're definitely tanking. There's really like no one really even of note. I guess Damian Pierce has been cool on that team. He's been definitely emerging as the bell cow running back. And I Brandon Cooks, I guess, is of note there. Um, give me the Chargers. Giving five and a half, I'll take that. Uh, next game, Baker Mayfield against Kyler Murray. Two offenses that are immensely uh, struggling, more so than a lot of people thought. People thought that Baker would go there and I think elevate that offense way more than it was behind Cam Newton slash Sam Darnold. And it has not looked pretty there. And I don't know if the jury's... Uh, still out on Baker, or if they are even going to think about making a quarterback change there. I don't even know what their options are, but he has not looked good. He's looked like the Baker of the last year in Cleveland. Um, I'm I'm not high on them, not at all. I think Kyler Murray can figure it out. I mean, Carolina is favored by one point in this game, pretty much a pick 'em. Uh, I like the Cardinals to win that game, and I think that. Give me the better player. Kyler Murray's a better player. I think the Cardinals, even without DeAndre Hopkins, even without Rondell Moore, have a better roster than the Panthers. I like the Panthers. Uh, sorry, I like the Cardinals there. Um, already went over my pick of the week. Uh, Packers beating the Patriots. We already went over that. Broncos at Raiders. Raiders are 0-3. If I've ever seen a team that is... Um, more in need of a win. I don't think I've ever seen it. I think the Raiders need this win. My pick is going to come down to just the Raiders need this one more than the the Broncos. I mean, if the Broncos get the three and one and you're zero and four, you're almost out. You're you're out in that division, right? Because you're not if you're zero and four, you're not going to make up four games against the Chiefs. Like seriously, your season is is probably like finished if you go zero and four and you're the Raiders. So. I think they pull out all the stops. They make it. They make everything click. Not everything click, but I think they get the job done. And on the Broncos side, they get the win. They're two and one, but they might have. You make, can make the argument they've looked like the worst team in football this year, and somehow they're two and one. I don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. I've watched probably every Russell Wilson snap in the NFL, and I I can't tell you what's going on. Maybe it's just the timing thing with his receivers. Maybe it's the play calling. I don't think it's his talent. I wouldn't side on the fact that it's anything talent-wise with him, but I don't know. It's it's very weird. So I don't think they – I think given that and the Raiders need to figure it out, and I think not only need to, like they're on their last leg right now. So they I think they will figure it out. I think the Raiders win that game. And then you got your Sunday night game, Chiefs at Bucks. given everything going on in Florida right now, which is terrible. Um I don't know where this – I think the NFL said that this game will be played in Tampa Bay, or I think there was another option of even playing it in, like, Minnesota or something like that as, like, an alternate site. But 
this is a game and a half. It's a pick 'em. Uh Chiefs are two and one, Bucks are two and one, but Bucks are coming off a loss where they couldn't do anything on offense. Literally nothing on offense. And I mean, until like the last couple drives they where they was almost like desperation mode and they just kind of piled them together. I'm still skeptical on this Bucks offense. They're still hurt everywhere. I don't know if Julio Jones is gonna play. Um, Mike Evans is back, which is which is very big for this team. I think him being out last week definitely hurt them. But I think I like the Chiefs to win this game. I just think that they're if I had to put these teams on like different paths, I think the the Bucks would be closer towards the bottom than the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are kind of hitting their stride a little earlier than the Bucks. And again, not saying that the Bucks won't hit their stride and won't be there at the end because I still think they're an elite defense, and any Tom Brady-led team is always going to be there at the end. Um, but I think the Chiefs this week have hit their stride or are beginning to hit their stride before the Bucks, and I think I like the the Chiefs to win this game. Which leads us to Monday night, the Rams at the 49ers. This is a classic, classic matchup here of Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo against. Matt Stafford, who another one that hasn't looked all that impressive. Um, it, he's got two receivers in Cup and Higby that have really had everything. I mean, I think there's a guy in Steronic or Ben Steronic or whatever his name is has looked good as well. But there's really been it's been tough with that third receiver. Allen Robinson might just not be good. He really just might not be good. Um, but on the other side, Trey Lance led. And now led Trey Lance, unfortunately, getting injured. And now it's a Jimmy Garoppolo-led 49ers offense who... I like the 49ers in this game. Uh, I think that maybe not for... The, the the idea behind Trey Lance was he's going to build and eventually be the better option for this team. But I still think that we're at the point where right now Jimmy Garoppolo is probably more suited for, I guess, the first couple games... You know, this is week four, one of the first few games. And I think that he puts them at a better chance to win immediately than Trey Lance does. Uh, he's not, it's not like he needs to learn a new offense. He hasn't moved teams. It was his offense last year. You already see him developing his chemistry back with Debo and Brandon Ayuk. I just think they're the better team right now. Uh, I think this might be a shootout even. Just one of those classic, uh, classic shootouts on Monday night, if I had to, if I had to guess, but... Um, I like the 49ers to win that game. So that'll leave me with my picks on Sunday. One last thing I wanted to get into, um, what happened with Tua last night, uh, in the Bengals and Dolphins game. And not only what happened with Tua last night, but I guess just, uh, reprimanding the entire Dolphins organization. Now, let me put it this way. I, I watched that game last night and I was... I was under the impression from everything that the Dolphins said and all their training staffs and all their quotes that came out um, the entire week that it was uh, he only if you didn't see Tua got kind of like hit hard last week. There was already a question of whether he was healthy or not coming into that game. Got hit hard last week, came up, stumbled and to what many would see as just an obvious concussion or something else, you know, something something neurological. And so they brought him into the locker room, and then he came back and finished the game, right? But there were still tests. People were still questioning, well, I mean, that was obviously a concussion, so how is he back in this game? The NFL even opened an investigation into 
how they handled the concussion protocol uh, when they brought Tua back to the locker room, which it is definitely one of those things that's kind of a little bit misleading. Apparently, the NFL does that all the time just to maintain uh, consistency in their uh, concussion protocol. I guess it's probably a legal thing that the NFL has to submit. So when you see that on Twitter that they, they're investigating it, they investigate majority of them just to make sure that everything is run to a T. Anyway, then he goes out there last night, and there was already a question. Short week, played on Sunday, now playing Thursday night, so four days, right? In traditional NFL concussion protocol, you need to be it needs to take five days for a player to enter and then leave concussion protocol. So if he has a game in four days, he wouldn't have been able to play in that last night's game if he was in concussion protocol. So now that leads us to what happened last night, and he gets dragged down. I don't remember the defender gets dragged down, and he just went uh, he just went limp almost. It was very tough to watch. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the clips on Twitter of just how um, disformed almost his hands looked, and it just was. I mean, just him, the whole thing of him getting stretchered off the field, and then learning that they they brought him to the Cincinnati medical something. And they were checking on him, and he was there for most of the night. And then the game ends, and it's like he's flying back with the team. And it's like, what What do you mean he's flying back with the team? Three seconds ago, he couldn't even move. Like, actually couldn't move. And I, my whole thing with the Dolphins is, it very well might have been a just the neck, or a, sorry, not a neck injury, just a back injury, something tweaked there that was making him stumble, and not saying that they were lying, right? But what I will say about the Dolphins, and given all of the Brian Flores stuff this offseason, where he came out and said that they were paying him to lose games, right? Literally, the, the guy doesn't have a job right now because he became a whistleblower for predominantly the Dolphins organization, and among other things, the entire NFL. So now this leads me back to what I was just saying. So like the Dolphins also swore up and down that no, Brian Flores is crazy. We didn't pay him to lose games, blah, blah, blah. Think about this. Think about your three and O or your two and O your quarterback gets hurt and you're on the precipice of a Brady list division, a division that, uh, you could easily, you could win, right? That you're, I can, you can make the argument that all healthy, the Dolphins were looking just as good as the Bills. I think you'd want to get your quarterback out there, and I think the Dolphins are very fishy. And I hated everything about last night. Every like, I think the right, the correct thing would to do would be not, obviously, not play him. I think that would have been the hundred percent correct thing, just as a precaution that. You know, maybe one test was wrong, and maybe it, we missed something, and maybe it is something neurological or something in his neck or his brain. But, I mean, to put the kid out there last night was just absolutely just – and then the result was just so horrible. I mean, luckily, he flew back with the team. All reports are he was literally watching a movie on the plane, laughing with teammates. I mean, it was – it's a miracle. Like, seriously, I'm I'm not going to say that, I you know, I, oh, I wish it was worse just because I could – so I could say worse about the Dolphins, but – I think that if if they can get out of this with just a concussion, that is probably the best case scenario for not only Tua. Obviously, thank God Tua is okay. Um, 
but for the Dolphins, because if there was something that was much larger, you know, God forbid Tua ended up as like paralyzed or even had something, uh, something wrong neurologically, this would be one of the worst things that could happen to the not not only the Dolphins, but this would set the NFL's concussion protocol and everything they've developed into. It would set them back another 20, 30 years even because the fact that that guy so obviously can suffer such an obvious concussion to a many see, and obviously I'm not a doctor and a lot of people are not doctors, but it was just seemed a little too obvious and raised a lot of skepticism on how that was handled. So I think it's still going to be a story. I'm definitely going to be following it very closely as it uh, grows or maybe doesn't grow. But I think we luckily, as it looks right now, I think the NFL, the Dolphins, and thankfully, uh, most important of all, Tua definitely um, are on the fortunate side of things. So didn't want to end it up on a uh, sad note, but definitely wanted to get that in there because I think it's just so important that uh, these, the health and safety of these players, especially in such a vicious game like the NFL, is so important that, you know, we always watch these games and it's like you root on these big hits. I mean, even ESPN used to have like these big hits back in the day they used to show or like the top five biggest hits. Like, you know, you see Hit Stick and Madden and you get so excited. But like these are people, right? Like these are people that are that have families that are trying to secure themselves generational wealth, right? Like especially a young guy like Tua. And I think we distance ourselves from that a lot in sports um, in many different ways. But I just thought it was very prevalent to talk about, given everything that was going on with the Dolphins and Tua last night. And thank you for listening. So appreciate it. Uh, hopefully you learned a thing or two or uh, I can influence you a little bit here or there, especially with these this NFL segment. But um, I guess let's go Mets. And thank you for listening.